Hello, race fans, and welcome to the Wednesdays with Wayne podcast. Your host is champion driver Wayne Johnson, who will be telling the stories and talking to the people that make the sport of sprint car racing great. Hey guys, Wayne Johnson, Wednesdays with Wayne, episode 90. Not any racing to talk about this week. We kind of took the week off, and well, I guess we didn't really take the weekend off. We didn't have any races to run, and uh, looking forward to this week, getting ready to go to Lakeside, and not sure what she's going to have for us today. I'm home today, and she's in the office, so got her on the line. I hope you got a lot of content today, because I don't have a whole lot. I feel like it may be short and sweet today, but that's okay. You rambled a lot last week, so I'm sure we'll have more to catch up on in the next few weeks. Well, we'll get busy, get back to being busy this week. Uh, Only one race, but then uh, the big races. Hopefully the weather holds out. Uh, Lockman, Dallas. So looking forward to those racetracks for sure, but... uh, got one in front of us beforehand and you know always like going to lakeside always done pretty decent there and just uh half mile like oklahoma city fairground day days so what do you guys got going on at the shop this week uh the boys didn't work last week we gave them boys a week off and then uh so they basically got to just go through everything take the car apart put it back together um from uh, from Port Royal, we just uh, I think they came back, got everything cleaned up. Uh, John always goes through the motor maintenance first. That's all done just to make sure we don't have any issues there. And then uh, I think they spent last Monday just doing the cleaning and doing all that stuff. And then so uh, they're back in the shop today and getting with it just to get everything prepared for Lakeside. You guys are rolling out on Thursday evening, you think? Uh, you know, I'm not sure when they're leaving. Uh, I think me and you are going to leave in the beam on Thursday evening, but uh, they might not leave till Friday morning. I'm not sure what their plan is. Uh, but uh, about a five-hour track up to Lakeside for us. Uh, I know a lot of these teams are, you know, have a lot further to go for a one-race deal on a weekend, but uh, it's kind of going to stink for some of them. But then, you know, we're stuck. They're, they're going to be stuck out here all week um, waiting for Lot in Dallas. Well, you know, kind of like what we had to do uh, a couple weeks ago at Port Royal. We're hung out. Not never, not very often that we get back home on you know between weeks uh, between weeks week race. At, how should I say that? <laughs> Just happens to work in our favor this time, so that's good. <clears throat> yeah, we're not you know we're not we don't get to come home often. Just from weekend to weekend. Right. You would think there would be more tracks in this Midwest area. But I guess there's not. I guess there just isn't. Well, there's plenty of racetracks, but just uh, back in this area, the 410s have kind of fell off. You know, uh, years ago we had Tulsa Speedway. We raced that weekly with the 410s. And uh, then the NCRA 410 series was a traveling series that went to all these racetracks, Oklahoma City, Boughton, Devil's Bowl, Wichita, Topeka, and so on. And uh, there's no more 410s racing around here so that's uh gone to the wayside uh closest 410 weekly race to where we live would be i'm going to say knoxville or maybe maybe like uh 
Oh, Benton, Missouri or somewhere up there, and I'm not sure if they run weekly or not. So would you say that that greatly impacts the ability to schedule races in this area in regards to they can't get the car count? Is that the primary reason? I think so. You know, just uh, no one around here has four tens. You know, uh, you know, I've got a couple of friends that are local racers here that, that do have four tens, but, uh, you know, for the most part, they don't run them that much. And, you know, when the outlaws come, you know, what we – but last year, I think we were just barely making a field of cars at like Lawton and Devil's Bowl and those places. So I think the car count will be up this week or this year, but just because nothing's going on this time of year. Uh, most Pennsylvania races are done. Knoxville's done. Uh, so we'll get a few guys that will travel down and go to race with us, but uh, I still don't think they're going to be big car counts. I don't think you'll ever see in this area more than, you know, 30 cars or so at any event. Okay. Well, speaking of local racing, you went out this weekend and watched some racing on your downtime. <clears throat> yeah, one of my good buddies, Jim, uh, you know, they have a two-barrel car that I've played with in the past, and and uh, he asked me to go out to Minker and uh, watch those guys get around there. They had 54 sprint cars in the pit area, so that was really cool to see. Cody did a really good job with, the, with having the, uh, you know, races over by, I don't know, about 1030. So that was good. Uh, and they had four, five, six classes of cars, honestly. I'm not sure exactly what they were, but, um, you know, that they always run a really smooth program and try to get everyone out of there in a decent hour, and that's uh, that's uh, a big thing to do with that many cars. And those were 360s and 305s? Yeah, they, the OCRS and the, the 305 sprint car classes around here, have have joined together and race against each other. Uh, I think they have figured out that on the da- on the dyno they're pretty compatible. Uh, they make about the same power and make some pretty good racing. And we've got all those cars divided here. Some are two barrels and some are three hundred five. Some guys don't want to do the three hundred five deal and some don't want to do the carbureted deal. But it's worked out where they're they can race together and they're pretty competitive. You know, com- pretty competitive against each other. I think a two barrel one and a three hundred five run second. So. It's pretty entertaining racing. Uh, you know, I've run those a few times, and they actually don't run too bad. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know that I want to race them on, on a big racetrack like Knoxville or Lakeside or somewhere like that. But that little racetrack there at uh, Minker or or Lawton or maybe like Sepulpa or places like that, I really think their racing is pretty good for those for those size of tracks. Uh, I don't know that it'd be much of a race on those big tracks. I think it'd just be one lane follow leader just because they don't have a lot of power. Oh, your crew guy, Zach, was racing this weekend too, right? Didn't he race at that race? Yeah, actually, actually, Zach got a call, got a got a ride, and uh, God, I can't remember whose car it was now. just drew a blank. But, uh, Do you uh, think those World of Outlaw starts he's been getting under his belt got him a, got him a ride? <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, Zach's actually a pretty good little race car driver. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the few times I've got the team race, I think he does pretty good. Uh, you know, and I watched him there this weekend and he, he's all the front row, but he raced and runs second. And, and, um, I think he missed the transfer spot out of the B because they, with him losing points in the heat race, he had to run the B. And I think he runs fourth in the B and I think they only take, took two. But, uh, you know, for not being in a race car all year long, basically, uh, 
you know, what we let him do. He's not really racing, so he don't get any right. seat time from per se. But <clears throat> he does pretty good. I mean, actually, uh, you know, makes pretty good decisions in the car, and 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 uh, I don't I don't think he's that bad of a little racer. I think if he had a a decent opportunity, uh, I think he'd be pretty good. Okay, well, good. But yeah, you're a weekend off from racing, and you still manage to find yourself at a racetrack. Imagine that. Well, that's right. We went to a racetrack before that on Friday. You drug me to the horse races. Oh, we did. We did go to the horse races. I forgot about that. See, we can't get away. That was fun. We're racing something somehow. Horses, cars, running, whatever. Just no, give us a stopwatch and we're good to go. Horses, the horse races was pretty good. Pretty good entertainment. Uh, I don't know if any of the listeners live around Oklahoma City, but that's the first time I've been to Remington Park in many years, and uh, we really had enjoyed ourselves on Friday night. Uh, it was entertaining. Sarah had never been to the horse races, so I didn't. I didn't really didn't know that until uh, we got there or whatever. But we had a really good time, and uh, uh, the kids had a good time learning how to how the wagering works on the horses and all that stuff. And I know the kids wanted to always bet on the winning horses, but they realized that. If you spent fifty cents and you only you only won fifteen, it didn't work out so good. I think Tyler got a nine dollar win there at the end, so he was pretty happy. Well, they uh, they definitely it was definitely entertaining. They they enjoyed themselves. So yeah. Okay, well let's grab a break and we'll come back with some questions. Outlaw Racing Wings is a proud supporter of the Wednesdays with Wayne podcast. Outlaw Racing Wings build wings for sprint cars and micro and junior sprints, as well as for all types of wing karting. Champion drivers like Christopher Bell, Wayne Johnson, and Brad Sweet all trust Outlaw Racing Wings for the extra speed needed in today's open-wheel racing. Visit outlawwings.com or the Outlaw Racing Wings page on Facebook and Twitter. Choose the wings the champions choose. Choose Outlaw. Outlaw. Highside Racewear has grown to become a major brand in racing apparel. Whether you're looking for high quality custom Nomax race suits or embroidered hats, Highside Racewear has everything your team needs for safety and success. Highside Racewear offers custom race suits, gloves, shoes, dye sublimated team apparel, and top quality embroidered hats, jackets, and shirts. Before you buy from anyone else, check out the Highside Racewear Facebook page or email highsideracewear at gmail.com for more information. All right, guys, we're back. What kind of questions you got this week? Got a couple questions from some of our longtime listeners. Got a question from Slick Rick. We got a question from Robert Lenz. So I'll ask those, and I won't bug you with my own question. How about that? Uh, well, whatever you got. Okay, so Slick Rick, he messaged us, and he said, do you have a favorite support class, and do you, su- do you have a support class you wish would not race in that night show? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, honestly, with with what we do with the outlaw deal, and really, I mean, I know the weekly promoters need all those classes, but I really like when we don't have a support class like the outlaw shows, just because it runs smoother, get through there, and you get through at a decent hour and and get on down the road. But uh, you know, I like racing, so I don't know that I really have a favorite support class ones that i guess the ones that go smoothly and and don't have 45 cautions in every race that'd be the one i'd want to would want uh as a support class but 
I really don't know that I have a favorite one, but I like modified cars. Uh, you know, I've, I've said that for years. I don't know that I want them as a support class because they normally cause a lot of cautions, but the modifieds are very fun to drive. Uh, I've, I've ran a few, or actually I ran one, one time, I shouldn't say a few, and really enjoyed it. And at some point, I plan on doing a little bit more of that. So in the retirement stages, that'll be a like a bucket list thing to get to do some modified racing. Okay. Thanks, Slick Rick, for that question. And, by the way, he had messaged me and asked if I was going to be at uh, Kansas City this weekend, Lakeside. I am. So hopefully I'll get to catch up with you there. Uh, on to the next question. Robert Lenz, he asked, when do you decide to get rid of a chassis? After so many races or when it starts to fill that it does not react to changes? Do you ever fix a bent chassis or do you just trash them? Uh, good question. We, I'm I'm pretty good about keeping cars around for a very long time. Um, I'm a firm believer that you know if they're wrecked in the rear, normally if the rear tubes are are the uprights where the watch link is is bent or any of that kind of area, we don't repair those cars. Uh, they go to the scrap bin or somebody takes them away and tries to repair them. <clears throat> if they're wrecked. Excuse me. Direct in the front. Normally, we'll put a clip on or put a tubes or you know uh, in the front of the car. Actually, some of the best race cars I've ever had were were cars that were clipped uh, with a new front clip on it. And so for some reason, they seem to work better. But <clears throat> excuse me, I got a horse in my throat. <laughs> Did you say a horse or a frog? <laughs> I said a horse, didn't I? <laughs> okay, you got something. Yeah. We had to figure that one out. But anyway, uh, we just we, – we cycle them through, uh, but for the most part, we keep cars around a long time. And, uh, you know, some cars just become your favorite car and you never want to get rid of it. And you just keep repairing it and you keep repairing it until, uh, until like you said, until it just doesn't make any sense to keep it around or the or the changes that you uh starting to make it doesn't seem to work. But I'm a big ride height guy. We, uh, I like measuring the ride heights in the shop, and if a car uh, starts to stack, you know, sag too much on one corner or the other, when you're doing weight, you know, or blocking, when you block the car and it doesn't come out right more than a few times, then it's normally time to get rid of those cars. But for the most part, uh, I, I believe the car we're running right now is a couple years old. It was one of the cars that we had had. Left over from a couple of years ago that was was actually uh, built right, and when the ladder mounts wasn't crooked in them or are wrong, so uh, that car's been around a while. We we retired a car at Nationals that had been around. Oh, I'm going to say about 70 races. So we retired that car as one of them that we repaired the watch link brackets and stuff in it but uh for the most part we keep around we keep cars around quite a while um not a big like i said not big on repairing the rear rear sections of the car but uh front clips front tubes upright something like that we do a lot of repair work on those but i i guess i hope hopefully that i, I hope i've covered all of that but uh 
So when you retire, I'm like the one you said you retired at Nationals. Where did it go? What happens to it? We sold that to a, a local, uh, I don't know what, camp sprint class or whatever that is in Knoxville. I call it the 305 class because it used to be, but uh, we we sold it to a, a team there that needed a car, and uh, we just it was time to retire that car. So sold that car, and, and uh, we're here five races to go, and, and, and we've ran the same car since Knoxville. So I don't know how many nights that is, but I'm going to say that this car's already got 30-some shows on it, roughly. Uh, and we've ran the same car since Knoxville. So we've, we've, we've run two cars all year long. Do you think that's typical, or do you think people switch out their cars more often than that? Well, I don't know. You know, I mean, financially, I think the, the bigger teams may – switch out cars, but I'm I'm sure that Brad Sweet finds a car that he really likes and they run it more than they do any of them. And uh you know, for and for I, I mean I don't I really don't know. Uh I know a lot of teams build, you know, six cars or something like that every year. We build four and uh we still have two brand new ones left. So we've never even ran. Okay. Another question real quick. So when you have the two new I how many did you start the year with, the four, but were any of them new or the older ones? We start the year with four cars every year. Uh, do you use the oldest the ones first, or how do you pick which ones you want to use yeah, next? Yeah, normally, normally that's what I do. I just use the stuff that's been working or the stuff that uh, it has got time on it. You just try to use that up. I know a lot of people just build brand-new cars and just use those, but, you know, our – our team's on a budget, so we got to use the uh, used stuff first. We don't want to have a bunch of used stuff in the end, you know what I mean, everything used. So, you know, like going into the off season here with five races to go, we've still got two brand-new cars and lots of brand-new parts, and, and maybe I'm too frugal when it comes to a lot of these things, but I've had to uh, fund my own team before and, and know how hard it is to come, come along with parts sometimes. So uh, just try to be – you know, try to run this team as most inexpensive as, as I can, and maybe sometimes that's a fault. But we, uh, the oldest car was the car we started with from last year. The car we're running now <clears throat> was, I believe this car. I, I had to I had to go back and look at my notes, and I'm I'm not sure if this car was brand new at Knoxville. Or it was a used car that had been redone, but I think it was a brand new car. I'm really not sure, but I'm thinking that it was a brand new car. For for some reason, I'm feeling like we only ended up with one car through that fiasco last year, left over, and everything else is new. I do not recall, but if you say so, I would have to go. I got. I'd have to go back through the notes. I got lots of notes. We keep lots of notes, and I got a book there that knows each car, each serial number and where it came from and when it was built and all that stuff. And I just – I can't remember right now. Right off the top of my head, you got me all confused, so. Okay. Well, Robert, thank you for the question. Lots of details about what we do with chassis, how we get them, and how long he keeps them and all those things. I do know from experience uh, you're pretty stubborn when it comes to changing out things, whether they need it or not. Usually they need it, and you're slow to change. I know that gets a lot of crap from the guys and all that stuff because we don't. I don't want to waste, you know. I don't want to waste money. And uh, you know, my job is 
not only as a driver of this team, but I'm also the, the manager, and I've got to keep track of what we got and what we need and and what we spend. And so I'm definitely probably too frugal at times, I can honestly say that. Even the car owner tells me that sometimes. But well, I know it's hard to understand your thought process when you have four of the same parts in the car or in the trailer and then your part's not working like you want it to. And I've seen you try over and over to get that part just right when you could just switch it out. But you don't give up easy. Well, like I say, they're all the same parts. So if I don't understand how one can be better than the other. You just got to figure out what what it needs. Okay. If you say so, you're the expert. I wouldn't say that, but that's just the way we do things around here. Maybe uh, maybe if somebody else was in charge, we might run better because, like I say, I think at times I'm definitely too frugal. I just uh, I know uh, the value of a dollar and, you know, try to do the best you can with what you got. Okay. Well, that's all for our questions. I'm not going to ask you any of my questions this week because I haven't had time to think up one. And I've been feeling under the weather, so I don't want to deal with that. You got off I got easy. a question for you this week. Oh, no. What? I got a question for you. Listeners might want to know. So, after you ran the Chicago Marathon, you made it back home, <laughs> and about 30% of your skin is missing from your body. <laughs> where anything that touched your legs or back or wherever called humidity 26.2 miles yeah it happens uh how's that treating you most of my skin is better now i'm better it's okay it takes about a week it's just the price you pay it happens some days are better than others that was it was really humid and i was dumping water on myself the majority of that time, so it just kind of lends itself to lots of uh, chafing, which is lots of fun. I'm good now. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> well, you finished. That's the main thing. I'm glad you're so worried about that. Uh, well, I just thought everybody might want to know because, you know, you... you. Uh, well, that's the joy of like running. You, you look like you've been in a motorcycle crash and you slid down the pavement. <laughs> All down my back. Four miles. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it happens. I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't. It's just the way it is. I have that body glide, and there's all kinds of things you can use to try to keep it to not happening. But price you pay. Okay. You got anything else? Any more fun questions? No. I don't have anything else. I just thought I'd figure I'd bring that up. (laughs) Thanks. Okay, guys. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate when you do that. You can visit the merchandise shop online at waynejohnson2c.com. You can follow along with us anytime on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Wayne Johnson Racing. You can also get a hold of us anytime by call or text 405-362-0620. And you can email us at waynejohnsonracing at yahoo.com. All right, guys. Till next week. Keep listening. This has been the Wednesdays with Wayne podcast. We thank you for joining us and ask you to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode. Until then, we'll see you at the tracks.